0: What's up and welcome to another episode of The Grindline Podcast, just in episode 251. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. Congratulations, Tyler. Uh, We have a lot of questions for a mailbag today. Uh, The Red Wings, they won a game, they split a game, uh, and they lost a game, so we're like even through. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we do have a ton of questions before there's a lot of not hockey playing before they play in Sweden. But how are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Can't complain too much. Everything in terms of the Red Wings is, I mean, it's even keel at this point. I wouldn't say it's bad. I wouldn't say it's good. It exists. Um, I guess the last time that we saw the Red Wings play, that was that was good. So I guess we can take that as a positive. Or was it really, I guess, is the question. Or the Blue Jackets just that bad. So I guess we'll find out. Um, but I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, just ready to talk some hockey. All
2: things considered for how the wings are looking, I am, uh, I'm content in a way. The Panthers have jumped us finally in second place. So we're in a tie with Toronto. The fact that they're still holding down the third spot going to the Sweden trip it's going to be pretty important because the team that they're currently tied with for third is Toronto. And I think you need to hope that they at least salvage a point out of that. And you really hope they get two points out of Ottawa. But, uh, I mean, to this point, it's, Bit of a roller coaster of a season, but overall, I think I'm still pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's been really interesting. We came out of the last episode saying we did it again, saying, you know, it's a really a really winnable game if we just play well against the Rangers. And they came out and absolutely shit the bed for 40 minutes or 45 really now minutes. That
2: I pretty much missed that game
0: or 50 minutes. And it was it's the same thing it's you come out in low energy. And this time, your goalie doesn't bail you out. And that's it's almost like they're trying to see how test the waters to see how deep of a hole they can pull themselves out of in the final period. And it's just this time absolutely failed. So the Red Wings and they I turned it off in the second period because I'm like this with the way they're playing hockey. This game is not worth my time. Absolutely not. There's other stuff to do. So I turned it off and then I got a couple alerts that uh, they got three goals in the third period, but end up losing five to three just. Overall, bad game. Just not the start they needed to have. And I just, it was unwatchable. I uh, went to play Montreal and our Montreal came in to play the Red Wings. And we took that game to overtime. Again, a game that should not have gone to overtime. Nope. And we end up losing in OT. Um, the, again, angry players because missed calls, uh, things that JT Comfer, I think, lit up a ref uh, as overtime was ending in that Montreal game because of interference or something. And then you win a solid game against the Blue Jackets, where you come in and you put in effort, you start at puck drop. And it was wishy-washy at certain points, but you come out with a win. So a loss, an overtime loss, and a win. You take three points out of a possible six. And like Ryan said, you come in now tied for third place in the division with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is really kind of what, I mean... Best case scenario, the Rangers are a really good team. Montreal is better than a lot of people thought they were going to be for some reason. And the Jackets suck. So, I mean, you're right there. And I think you would have seen a much different result had you started on time against the Rangers. You would have seen a much different result if you would have shot the damn puck against the Canadians, like consistently. Stop the fancy passes. Stop looking for that extra move shoot the puck on net and you did what you were supposed to do against the blue jackets. Now granted, there's another issue there that we're going to talk about, but
2: too many goals against on that
0: game. Yeah. That, which is, it's something that's going to happen, but you're able to come back. And that's something, like you said, we're going to talk about too many goals against, but I feel like the past three games, if they continue. And again, we're going to say it again, and they're probably not going to do it. If you continue playing the way you played against the blue jackets, you will win more games than you lose. And the next two games are in Sweden. Playing against the Sens, a team you embarrassed and you look to embarrass again in a different country, which would be phenomenal. You just go add, a, add Sweden to your list of countries you've embarrassed the Senators in. But I feel like it's we need to just bring the consistent intensity every time and the players know it. They've said it themselves.
2: Yeah, I don't understand exactly what it is that's happening at this point. Like they've literally taking a roller coaster to the season already where the first six, seven games, they look fantastic. Now the last stretch, they've been like, there's been one or two games where they're like, great. That was fantastic. Do it again. And then they come out the next two games. Just like, that's not what we were just talking about. You needed to do. Let's not do that ever again. Then like the, for half a game, they're like, okay, maybe we'll try to play this way. And it's just the, the consistency factor. I get it. It's a hard league. The team is still there. Uh, I, I'm trying not to shit on them too hard or trying to put them up on too high of a pedestal because we exist, them, Ryan. They exist. They, exist. Kind of they, they can handle, they can take it to top tier teams. We've already seen it. They've beaten Boston. They've already played a hard game against Toronto, but ultimately losing. They've beaten Tampa. They honestly could have and should have beaten Florida. So we're seeing them compete. And they brought it back against the Rangers. But until they find that consistency piece, and I, I don't know what the ultimate answer is. Is it, it going to be coaching needs to make adjustments? We need to st- start seeing different lines and or players on the roster. Do the players need to actually, you know, reach down, find out they have a pair and go out there and play play a better game? I, I don't know what the ultimate answer is there. And let's
0: cool it with the we need a change in coaching because no. it's way too early to say that now. Have there been some We're Edmonton. odd... Have there been some odd moves? Sure. Would I really, really, really love for the second pair to not consistently be Sherratt and Petrie? Absolutely, though. Jeff Petrie had a decent to good game against the Blue Jackets. Ben Sherratt has been better than last season. Does that mean he's good? No, but he's not awful. So maybe these guys, they're older. They need a little bit more time to, like, warm the engine up. But I would love to see that moved down to the third pair get more time for ghost get more time for hole just the the consistency in the ice time that petrie and Shroud are getting when they're not when petrie's not being scratched cuz he was scratched a game is kind of weird when you're watching and you're like petrie is generally pretty consistently the one making terrible moves mm-hmm. and when he's continued to be pushed out there in higher minute situations and falls on his face or takes a bad penalty or is directly uh involved in a goal against you ask why a lot and that is that's maybe the one gripe with coaching is that we see these things and maybe it's only because we're seeing it on tv but we see these things and we go how can you keep doing that how can you keep doing the same thing expecting them to be different when we've seen them consistently be bad in those situations But I don't think it's time. I mean, it's not time to say, look, we need a new coach or a Newsy is terrible or anything like that because he's proven he's not. And he's been realistic and transparent since day one with everyone. If you listen to any of his interviews, he's like, do we look better? Yes. Do we look good on paper? Yes. We still have a long way to go now. Maybe that's coming to fruition because he said it, but I don't think that it's you can pin all these losses on coaching um because at the end of the day the players have to show up to play and you can yell at them as much as you want but if they lazily move their way through the first period i i mean that's on them for the most part they're paid to go out there and play hockey and if they're not doing that that i can't say that's on newsy
1: yeah my thoughts are just like i mean they, they need to be way more consistent when it comes to starting on time i mean they're their games that they've played this year so far, I mean, not a good start against Florida, definitely not a good start at Boston, definitely not a good start um, against the Rangers. That was their worst game of the year, probably by far. They were uninterested until about the third period when it was 5 nothing, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to decide to play and, and make it a, a two-goal game. Um, Not a good game whatsoever. Montreal, I mean, they should have won the game, and they just kind of blew it there. They need to start better. And Jeff Petrie, I mean, I think if he didn't have a good game in that Columbus game, I think we'd seriously be having a conversation of having to wave Jeff Petrie. Because, again, I, I, I like the Except fact for that, you can't,
0: know, Tyler. You can't wave Jeff Petrie. He well, has I a no-move
1: clause. Okay, well, we'd be having the conversation of... I don't know putting putting him on the in the press box for the foreseeable future because I mean he just has not been good. I mean, I, again, I, I've been rooting for Jeff Petrie. I know he's 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 got ties to the area and he's he was born in Ann Arbor and everything. I've been rooting for him. I liked him in Edmonton, liked him in Montreal. Always thought he was a really good player, good puck moving defenseman. I mean, father time has probably just caught up to him, unfortunately. But you can't have a guy like that playing all these minutes, making all these mistakes, because every time that you look up the fucking pucks in the net and it's on two guys, Jeff Petrie and Ben Sherrod. Those are the two guys. And whether you like it or not, this Ben Sherrod deal, it just looks worse and worse every fucking time. I swear to God, it's just I know a lot of people want to say, okay, we'll pump the brakes. You know this. and I'm just like, you know what? In the first year of the contract, we were talking about, okay, this is not a good contract. I knew it went at the start. I know you guys wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt, but I knew what kind of player Ben Chirot was. And I'm sure we just kind of wanted it. Okay, let's Eisenman threw some money at him, so let's see if it it works out kind of thing. And it just hasn't. It really just has not. Um, do I wish they could do something and maybe get rid of Sherratt and bring up a guy like Edvinson or Johansson or one of the young defensemen down in Grand Rapids? I, it can't be worse than what Sherratt and Petrie are doing. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so that that's kind of my thoughts on that. The one thing I kind of want to touch on as well, and I don't know if you guys want to do this now or do it after, but I, I think the offense still has a problem in goal scoring. I, I do, especially in that Rangers game especially against Florida when the, when the going gets tougher against tougher opponents, it feels like they can't score goals. Tampa doesn't feel like the good, as good of a defensive team as they were. And I think that the the wing scored a lot of those goals. Cause Jonas, Johansson was in that, but you know, some of those were go- goal scorers goals, but at the end of the day, I feel like they still have an issue in goal scoring. And that's why I think that Jonathan Berger and should be coming up at some point because he was, one of their better offensive players last year at times I, I i feel like he should get a shot in the nhl i i do
0: well i feel like we can answer a few questions here from the mailbag within what we've just talked about so far so uh clangster asks uh when does the jeff petrie experiment end and in the simon edvinson experiment begin also i really don't think an edvinson whole pairing would be bad but maybe that's just me I I agree. So I think Petrie right now is the odd man out. um, But to make that happen, you would have to make a trade. So if you look at trying to offload Ben Sherratt's contract, even though, like you said, you you hate the Ben Sherratt and everything, but he has been better this season. Ben Sherratt, I believe, is a plus eight currently um, when he was God, I hate again, don't like plus minus, but he hasn't been God awful. You just notice the you notice that when he is bad, it generally leads directly to a goal. That's he gets burned at the blue line and leads to a goal, or he's caught in um, missing coverage and it leads to a goal. So when Ben Sherrod is bad, it's been affecting the team more than when say, I don't know when Justin Hole may have a misstep, maybe it's in the neutral zone or maybe some, a defenseman has a misstep in the offensive zone, but it doesn't lead directly to a goal. Schrott seems to have more of those defensive zone missteps, but you also uh, get from Daryl Casey. When will we see Edmondson this year? Not as an injury replacement. That would be a trade. Um, There's questions that we got about, do we see a big trade coming? And I'm not sure I see a big trade coming, but there are teams looking for goalies. And if you can offload a contract to be able to bring in an Edvinson, and you can free up space by getting rid of a goalie because you have too many and you're not playing one, then that could be uh, an opportunity where you could see like a Simon Edmondson come in. So if we take a look at Vili Huso's performance, this is the other part I want to bring up before we take a break and go just fully into questions, is if you look at his performances over the past five games, so, uh, loss to Boston. He had three goals against with a nine hundred save percentage. Uh, win against the New York Islanders had three goals against in a nine two five. The win against Boston had four goals against, but he had an eight six seven save percentage. You had the loss to the Rangers. He had five goals against and it had an eight four four save percentage. And if you look at the game against Columbus where we won, he had four goals against, but he had an eight one eight save percentage. So when you in one of the Columbus game, he let in the first goal on the first shot, and when you're looking at those save percentages, even though we won three of those games, it was because of the overage of offense, and you can't rely on that. Your goaltender has to be able to stand on his head some games. Now Huso has done that before. He has a nine four six save percentage win against the Sens, but other than that most of his games are below 900 and that it's absolutely unacceptable for a goalie that you say is your starting goaltender so if another team calls and says hey we need carolina calls and says hey we need billy huso or we need a goalie we need uh, alex lion we need james reimer we need someone because our goaltending situation sucks you say okay we'll give you huso and we'll give you I don't know, we'll give you Ben Chirot with 50% retained and we'll send you a pick and we'll take Brett Pesci. I think that could help. And then you can press box, Petrie, and you can bring in Edmondson. Or you can move another piece around to bring in Edmondson. I just think that sometimes you need your goalie to bail you out. And right now it seems like when we're losing some of these games, even though we're not starting on time, which is the biggest problem, the goaltending's not
1: helping either. So would you be okay with with Lyon and Reimer being the tandem? I mean, Reimer's played better than Huso for the most part this
0: season. Besides his couple shitty lapses in judgment, like taking a penalty when there's a breakaway, uh, in overtime that was the other problem. But other than that, I mean, and his bad glove. Didn't but other than that, that Reimer's that been Reimer's been better than Huso.
2: Which is extremely unfortunate because I feel like we're seeing Adelkovich 2.0 right now. And if you've got Huso who, for all intents and purposes, we look at this point in the season last year, was easily the MVP of this team. and um, hasn't seemingly been the same since he has gotten through his injury that was midway late through last season. I don't know if he's still reeling from that in some sense or... Maybe he's not, you know, just back to full game shape. It seems like he is by watching and what's going on out there. But at the same time, like for a guy that is labeled your primary, your go-to, you need more. I mean, we're seeing from Reimer what we were hoping for and expecting of Reimer. He, as a career, has had good numbers. We've talked about this before. And he's doing exactly what you would hope for. You're seeing... A dependable guy from Reimer, you're not getting dependability from Huso. And if that team, if the offense is not clicking on all cylinders, we see how that can impact them. He's reminding me right now. I said this right before we started, of Jimmy Howard late in his career, and that's not a good thing. So no,
0: and I hope that answers Aranthos Barretta's question of honest reflection. What do we do about goaltending? Are the Wings justified in playing him Huso so much when he has been underperforming? ideal take in what you think lalone and co will actually do well lalone has said we're going to get have to get some looks at lion you can't just let lion sit there and scotty uh from lockdown red wings brought up a good point that he'd be playing lion as the backup goaltender every single night he'd be dressed as the backup and you would just alternate your starters when you have who's the
1: backup
2: last game
0: yeah, but when you have Huso starting, there's no reason to have Reimer as a backup. When you've got Reimer starting, why is Huso the backup? Why is not Alex Lyon consistently the backup? It, it One just thing that make I want
1: to know is he is he taking warm up every game? Uh, Who? Lyon? I don't. Lions Lyon, yeah.
0: practicing.
1: I'm not sure. Can, I know he's out you there. Can, scratch players and scratch goalies can take warm ups, so they could. I don't
2: remember seeing any more than just two guys out there for warm ups in the games that I've been to.
1: Yeah, so then they haven't been, which is, uh, I don't, maybe there isn't an NHL rule that you can't have three goalies out there at once. I don't think that that's a rule, but I, again, I could be wrong. But if that's not a rule, why wouldn't you have him out there taking pucks? And if if you do have like a Huso go down or Reimer go down, you know, you can turn to him the next game and, and have him as the backup and have him, you know, sitting on the bench. And if he does need to come in or, you know, I, I, the other thing that I just want to kind of debate here, this should not just be a clear-cut number one situation anymore. No, this should be all. up for debate. This should be up for a debate between an, an ABC kind of thing. And then if we need to make a move on a, on a goaltender, then, then it'll be an AB because I don't see a clear-cut starter. Uso hasn't done anything to, you know, merit that at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess Carter Hart is available from Philly. If you've got pieces, you could send there to get Carter Hart in. I mean, he, again, is a proven NHL starting goaltender. He's very young. Uh, you've got Kosa, who's playing Grand Rapids, and who has been playing okay, minus what his stats look like. Um, he hasn't gotten a lot of help. And I, it's just a situation where you go, okay, Huso, we're going to give you a little bit of a break. We're going to start, maybe start Reimer three games. Maybe start him two games and see what happens. Maybe start Lion a game and start Reimer a couple. It's just what's happening right now with Huso I think he he's either a hurt again or something's bothering him or B, like you said, Ryan, it's just he's not the same goalie after coming back from his injury, which would suck because, again, this would be what the third time this has happened to us where you just say uh, the goalie is hot one year and then comes in the next year and shits the bed. So it's not not a good position to be in. And I think that also kind of uh, answers Matthew Shepard's question, saying we're in mid-November. Clearly, this team can compete for a playoff spot, but a wild card berth is probably the way in. With that in mind, would it be worth trying to move guys like Petrie, Sherratt at the deadline to make room for one of the two young guys to get experience? And I think the only way that's going to happen is if you can package them with someone else to get them out. Because no one's taking just a, a Ben rock contract because of the money. No. No one's taking Jeff. Jeff Petrie, you can't move. He could. He's got it modified. It's a 15-team list. But, I mean, no one's going to say, yeah, let's take that. That's the problem.
2: Yeah, but it's already got retained salary, so you can eat even more of that, so you're almost getting down closer to the vet minimum by that point. But do you really want to be eating $1.1, some $1.2 million of Jeff Peacher for the next two seasons?
1: And part of the reason I think that he got that no trade, no movement clause is because he's from – michigan originally he's 35 years old and he probably doesn't want to move so no uh, that's another thing to keep in mind
0: but what we're going to do real quick is we're going to take a quick commercial break before we come back to answer just this boatload of questions that we have here i mean it's a lot this is the most questions i think we've ever gotten for mailbag. so we'll be right back in a minute after a word from a couple of sponsors to answer a bunch of your questions Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet on the Red Wings over in Sweden hoping to come out with a big four points against the Maple Leafs and the Senators. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkngcom dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. You know that the second October is over and November hits, the holiday season gets into full swing. We take down the pumpkins, break out the Mariah Carey, and do a lot of shopping. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, how their audio products provide great sound quality and battery life, and that they're moving into the home space with things like air purifiers and water purifiers. But Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their Everyday Earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all day wear and lasting comfort. In this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon Power Tech. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com/thpn to get twenty to fifty percent off site wide. That's buyraycon.com/thpn to score up to fifty percent off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com/thpn. And we're back, and we have a lot of questions. I had to wait because, again, Tyler, always eating on camera. That Tyler. <laughs> But we have a lot of questions tonight uh, in our mailbag, and we're going to start. Some of them we're going to go through rather quickly. Some of them where we feel like we need to break them down a little bit more. We will break them down. But we're going to start with from Kaiser Map, and this is an easy one. If the Red Wings could send Perron, Fabry, Sherat, Mata, and a shit ton of picks and prospects to Edmonton for McDavid and Dreisaitl, would you do it? Yes, I would do it. Is that realistic?
2: Absolutely not. I mean, honestly, I'll give up quite a bit for either guy, and now it depends on... No, it, it doesn't depend on anything. If there's a possibility of your, if you're not destroying your roster entirely to bring them on, I think it's you, you do it. I don't care what they're being paid. You, you figure out a way to add to the core with them Cause you have a better prospect core than what Edmonton has. Now granted that is what they're going to probably like, like to get in return, but knowing Ken Holland, he'll be more excited about a draft pick than he will a prospect and yep. do something stupid with that. So you could probably actually get away with
1: something pretty, pretty good there but uh, would you yeah. gut your farm system for leon dry sidle
0: i guess what you would consider gut your farm system for because they're not going to take literally every prospect we have and we have a ton of what are considered mid to high level prospects
1: the most i think you lose out on is two top two top end prospects yeah but then you have to give up a roster player and probably two first round picks
0: you okay. more than that if you're getting just mcdavid so i think earlier i said yeah,
1: mcdavid you're not getting it's dry that you would be going after i think well, you're not getting either, but you're, it's hypothetical.
0: So I think there are three roster players that Eiserman that would say no to, and that would be DeBrinket, Larkin, and Mosider, depending on what you're getting back. I think mm-hmm. Raymond, he would be on the fence about, but those other three are the ones that are hard-nosed. Um, other than that, I think your only prospects that are off the table are your new ones. So Nate Danielson's probably off the table because we don't know what he is. Um, Axel sandin is probably off the table because you don't know what he is. Trey Augustine's probably off the table to see how he develops. Other than that, um, I mean, you're probably looking at a couple first-round picks. You're probably looking at Simon Edvinson. You're probably looking at a roster, or an NHL-ready forward. So someone like Jonathan Berggren, like Elmer Soderblom. And then you're looking at probably jake wallman at that point and that's probably close ish though you'd probably have to throw in a couple more picks or another player to get something like that done maybe marco casper you might have to throw marco casper into that deal too
1: i don't hate that
0: i don't hate it either because the for me when i was going through like mcdavid trade scenarios the hardest parts to give up were the picks because we have so many prospects that if you lose a few of them, you're going to have to trade a few of them anyways. There's no way every prospect you have is going to make this roster. So I think the Red Wings are in a good, a good position with, in a few different ways. With uh, picks, because we've got our picks. With a deep prospect pool where if you give up two, three, four prospects, you're not killing your entire pool. And they've got money. So if people are available to make a trade, the Red Wings are one of the top trade targets because we've got all the things that other teams are looking for.
2: Yeah. I think the way you kind of look at this one is almost like a baseball trade where you see so many prospects that you consider to be your top 10 or whatever, but it doesn't overall hinder your progress as a top team. You can get away with it and still be okay. I think hockey can play out that same way a little bit because with these younger guys, you just don't know until they're there. And we've <laughs> seen it several times now with Detroit where they think they're getting the top pick. Thanks, Al Avila. Avila that nothing freaking came from it they trade them away and then like oh, all of a sudden we're good cool great so no i i think you can easily i shouldn't say easily but we can more realistic attachment realistically to do this type of thing you'll have to make that trade where you see an Edmondson, you see a couple first or a second whatever it is the attachment we have we'll have to separate ourselves from because you will be better with one of those guys on the team there's no doubt but
1: Anyways, Tyler, talking about a baseball trade, I just like remember one that that kind of sticks out to me a little bit where the Red Sox traded for Chris Sale from the Chicago White Sox. And they had to give up their number one, the number one overall prospect in Major League Baseball, which was Yohan Makata, who at the time was like a can't miss guy. And then they had to give up Michael Kopech, who like throws like one hundred and four miles an hour. And that was like, he was like their number four prospect or something like that. But then they had to give up a roster player too. So like, that's the kind of trade it would have to take. And honestly, I don't think you're getting McDavid. So if you're going to get either of them, it's dry saddle, because I don't think they're going to be able to pay both of those upwards of $15 million. No. And I don't think it's smart, given what we've seen from the Toronto Maple Leafs, where, you know, they're paying three guys, you know, a cr- four guys, really a crazy amount of money. And, and you know, it. it has not worked out for them in the least bit so anyways
0: yeah that amount of money in toronto is gonna get much crazier too but you can check out me talking about that on the offside hockey podcast
1: a little later
2: on tonight three guys at over 10.9 million on fourth one that will be making well more over that
0: yeah toronto's about to spend over 50 percent of their cap on four forwards and think that they're going to go on and win stanley cup with no defensive depth and a bunch of aging guys, but we'll see how that works. Oh, and apparently Joseph Wool is their number one goaltender, which apparently they think seems like a good idea too, because that also includes them like letting their goalie go, even though he's been kind of not great. So I don't know that Toronto's a different story. We're going to move on to a question from Chris. Uh, If we weren't using a roster spot on a third goalie, who would the player occupying that spot be? And my Guess would be Jonathan Berggren. If it was a consistent extra spot and not just a call up, then it would, Berggren would be the player that would probably be rostered.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what my, what came to my mind, John the Berggren. Yeah, I,
2: I'd be between Burgers or Soderblom, to be honest. I mean, I think Zarnick would have already been here regardless. I think he's just played a, a great depth role, but yeah, probably Burgers.
0: Yeah, burgers and Soderblom are the closest to NH already. Yeah,
2: because the only other guy you could even remotely think of is Horosi or Zach Aston Reest. But that and that's only because you're trying not to burn guys um, ELCs at that point. But I think Beregren would have been your your for sure guy that's on this roster with a Zarnik or a Fisher rotating in or the the extra odd man out, or even not even on the on the roster. That's actually might have been a flip there and where we see Zarnik actually staying in Grand Rapids in that situ- situation.
0: So from day Jay Diedrich studios, will Pavel Datsuk make the 24 hall of fame? Um, I'm going to say, yes, I think if any, any of the recent red wings who were nominated were first ballot hall of famers, I'd say Pavel Datsuk is the first ballot hall of famer. Um, but I would love to see Datsuk and Zetterberg get in at the same time. That would just, which be is possible amazing. by the way, it is possible. I mean-
1: Absolutely. Zetterberg was on the ballot this year, and I don't know exactly what the votes were. I did not look, um, or I don't have that on the top of my head, but, I mean, that would be cool to see those two guys go in together because, you know, they they broke in pretty much at the same time. I know Datsu came in one year before, but if there was, you know, a a, a trophy for the most gifted player, the most skilled player, uh, and the most hardworking at the same time as skilled And the most creative as well, you know, it would be Pavel Batsuk. So I think slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. and I think that this should absolutely be a a Euro twins reunion going in together.
0: Cool. We all agree. That's one thing, I guess. (laughs) From Adam Kerr, uh, thoughts on trading for Jake Gensel at the trade deadline if the Penguins are still bad or trying to sign him in the offseason? He says, I don't think center position is a big priority this offseason unless you want to sign a bigger name like Lindholm or Novak. Um, I don't think, I think if the Penguins are saying, if they miss the playoffs, then they have to acknowledge a rebuild. And I think at that point, Jake Gensel becomes one of your key pieces. And I think they'll try and lock him up.
2: Does he though? Because he just turned 29 at the start of October.
0: I mean, doesn't he become your leadership replacement at that moment?
2: Because you Arguably. figure
0: you're going to have to ship out a. Now you're never going to trade Sidney Crosby. He's never leaving that organization, but you're going to have to get rid of a Malkin. They're you're not going to trade eighty-seven some
1: or seventy-one. Both of those guys yeah. are riding off into the sunset together.
0: Well, then you then you're Ken Holland and you tank your entire situation.
1: I th- I think that like Pittsburgh is has acknowledged the fact that they're going to take this to the wire by you know, trading for Eric Carlson. I say They're gonna have to with that Carlson contract. Yeah, with the Carlson and, and with the Letangs and the Crosbys and the Malkins. I mean, they're they're locked in, especially with this Fenway sports group. There's one thing I know about the sp this Fenway sports group. They like to win early and early in their tenure. Will it happen because of cap space and everything? We'll see. But but again the Penguins are, are one of those teams that, you know that I know people always used to say, you know, it's the twilight of their career or the back nine. I mean, and that's where Crosby and Malkin are, but Sid just continues to play well. So I don't know.
0: I forgot that Kyle Dubas is now the general manager of the Penguins. So Jake Gensel's not going anywhere, guys. Uh, he will also retire a uh, Pittsburgh Penguin right now, though the Penguins 13 games played are seven, six and zero. And uh, they're towards the bottom. They're third from the bottom in their division right now. They're being beaten by the Flyers. And the Caps are actually third right now for how bad the Caps started. They are now third in the Metro. Uh, the Devils right behind them at fourth. Um, who knew that Jack Hughes was the, was the Devils? That was. And when Jack Hughes goes down, then the Devils kind of hurt quite a bit. So
1: he shears down too, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's been day to day because of the high hit. I remember right
0: yep uh so from Technatom, in the next 12 months will a transaction more exciting than the de trade occur now more exciting for us than the de trade my gut's telling me no um i think the the Debrinket trade was pretty damn exciting because we knew what he could do we knew where he was coming from he's a hometown guy uh it's eiserman de was eiserman's first like big move like that was a big move for eiserman here So I would say that I don't think there's going to be anything that matches that level of excitement, but I could see, um, and I think to answer another question on here, uh, I don't think we're going to be sellers. That's the big, that was another question is, are we going to be sellers at the deadline? Now, I don't think big trades are coming, but I still don't think we're going to be sellers because we're bad. We might sell to make room, but I don't think we're going to be sellers because we're bad.
2: That's, that's going to be tough. No, I I think the, the highlight of what we're going to see, unless Steve does something truly crazy, is we're going to see one of these young guys getting called up or we go on into the next season and we have a Nate Danielson coming in, in a top six role with Casper and or another young player. I don't think that trades are going to be a thing just yet, and but that's just me being, I think, a little bit senile in in, in regards to it. Kind of thought that way about Debrinket because of how long that news went on so well i guess we'll just wait and see but as of right now i don't think it's gonna be happening
1: yeah one thing that worries me about about the 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 road that the wings are heading down you know without a true superstar and i know larkin is probably on that cusp and and to could be you know after a little bit here uh he certainly has played well um you know to start the season but Are they going to become like the Carolina Hurricanes where they just don't have like a superstar and and they get to the playoffs every year and there's just there's no progress made? Like, that's one thing that worries me. I know I know, you know, people are like, oh, well, they could still, you know, push it. But again, if you don't have one of these guys develop or one of the players on your current roster develop, that's what you're staring in the face. And that's that's kind of one thing that I, I worry about a little bit.
0: That's what happens when you get shafted consistently in the lottery. That was completely out of our control that we never got a number one pick that we never drafted a superstar because it's harder and harder every year because of scouting to get a superstar level player after the top three picks or top five picks or whatever. Um, But no, I think if you put enough talent around like Vegas, Vegas didn't have what you would consider a superstar unless you consider Jack Eichel a superstar.
1: Well, then when then, I got a Jack Eichel to pretty much finish. Sure. Well, that, that
0: situation, though, was totally fucked. That's the only reason they got a Jack Eichel. The now,
1: Buffalo is a that, bunch of idiots.
0: And that situation could come up again. So say that situation it comes could. up in Edmonton, then you make your jump and you get a Leon Dreisaitl and then you have your superstar. So that's it's neither here nor there, I think.
1: But anyways, to answer the question, I don't think that we're going to see anything bigger than the Debrinket trade uh, in the next 12 months.
0: Cool. Uh, This one we can do actually probably pretty quickly because we already kind of covered it. From Sleepy Silia, within the last stretch of games, probably since the Ottawa game, we've only seen the wings show up for 60 minutes twice, maybe three times. At this point, everyone knows it's a problem. When do we start actually pointing fingers and showing considerable concern to solve this? We started pointing fingers a long time ago, uh, also showing considerable concern. Um, I would say that if this continues for... Well, we got another stretch of 18 coming up, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I think if you go through the next 10 games and they start like this again, where they take the first period off and try to come back every time, that's that's when you show really big concern.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that the next 10 to 12 games um is where you start to evaluate this team and you start to figure out, well, this team just is what it is. Um, you know, I obviously it it sounds like it's the long time through the season, but I mean, you know, people always say American Thanksgiving is that bar where if you're in, you're in, if you're not, you know, there's a good chance that you're not going to make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I I think that it's, it is definitely alarming that they've been not starting on time, but hopefully that they can get that right within the next 10 games or so. I like the Thanksgiving
0: cutoff. But I think if we're still if if we're in a playoff position by Thanksgiving and we're still playing like we're playing, don't count that bar as anything important because you had to figure other teams at that point are going to pass us because we're lacking in our effort for the first 50 minutes of the game of a 60 minute game. And um, I wouldn't take that's not a hard cutoff. We saw it last year that uh, Thanksgiving date come and go and. I would say if we're still showing the same effort at the beginning of a hockey game and we're in a playoff position by Thanksgiving, I'm still concerned.
2: I don't know. I, I like that we're doing a bit of a comparison to last season because we knew they started strong last year. Who so carried them for however long you want to call it into January for that, for that matter? And we're still trending ahead of where Detroit was at this point last year. And that's a good thing. They need to maintain that. If they don't, we're going to be in trouble. It could make their soften. Maybe I'll say soften the way that they have looked to this point a little bit because we know that they are indeed playing better. However, when do we start seeing moves happen? I don't know because we're, we're handcuffed with some of these no moves because, as you mentioned, these guys can't necessarily go into waivers unless it is agreed upon from the player to be waived and your prime candidates are on defense to do that so either that means a trade has to happen or you see a potential another situation where you get a contracts getting terminated and i really doubt any of these guys are gonna agree to either termination and or a waiver so i, I don't know I, I would say coming up on january 1 maybe is where you see something happening happening but even then you're getting almost too close to the deadline in a way to really try to make something truly impactful, but it, it's, it's tough. I don't know. I I want to say that you you start seeing more of the younger guys start making their way in. You want to hope for an Edmondson, you know, that he's putting the puck in the net and making offense happen down in Grand Rapids. We're seeing that on the stat line as well. Um, But it's hard. I, I think they still want to see more from those guys because I think there'd be a lot more conversation about it coming from the likes of Max or some of the diggers in particular about what's going on down there and what needs to be changing. Now they could just be smoking that pipe and making, keeping the, everything all fine and dandy for right now. But yeah, you you want to hope that either there's an adjustment on how the coaching philosophy coaching philosophy is, is approaching these things, which I think we definitely need to already see that adjustment. I think there has been a little bit, but the fire needs to be there from the start. And if it doesn't, then I I don't think that Azerman is going to be as patient as maybe he's going to play it out to be. So I'd like to think by January 1st, you're seeing something happen that would try to spark what's going on.
1: One of those things, too, that I've noticed, and not to cut you off, but... I feel like a lot of those slow starts have, have been on the road outside of maybe like at Columbus and at Ottawa. Those are two games that stick out. But at Boston was brutal. The Islanders game they had to come back in. Uh, at New York was beyond brutal. So, I mean, and, and by New York, I mean the Rangers. Yeah, they just they need to start on time against all teams, but mostly on the road, too. They, you can't get down. No, but it's happening in, at
2: home too much, too.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's, it's a theme. You can't do it anywhere, but you certainly don't want to do it on the road where the crowd's against you, especially in these tougher buildings like Boston and New York. Well, you also
2: certainly can't do it against these teams that you're likely would be playing in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Um, those are the teams
0: that we're going to get to the playoffs and then get bound. I mean, I if we make the playoffs, especially as a wild card, I expect a first round exit. But again, you're going to try and you need to try and punch up to these teams like the Rangers and show that 100% effort from puck drop. If you think you're even going to have a chance to make the playoffs and that's, what has got to change. So I would say, give it 10 more games, uh, and see what happens there. And then you're going to really have to evaluate what moves you might be able to make to change things up a little bit, uh, from Zach TCB as of now, who do you think deserves an A on their chest next season? And that is one where I, I had to sit back and go, okay, let me go to cap friendly because I need to see who's actually going to be here next season because the Red Wings have a rolling cap. And the lineup again next season could look um, different than it does right now. So David Perron, I don't expect him to be back next season. He currently has an A. That one, I believe, goes to Mo Sider. I think that's. The, I think he's worn it before. He's rotated in and out. He's worn it during preseason. I think that A goes to Sider. Other than that, right now, um, I don't think you're taking an A away from anyone. And he's the. Oh, he would be the only free um, alternate captain. Available would be probably. that uh, the one that is currently worn by David Perron. Ben Schrott wears one now. If he took it away from him, I guess it would probably go to,
2: I don't know, Copper to Cop's already been wearing one and he uh, they've been rotating
1: them. It's been between like cop, Schrott and Perron. I feel like Jake Wallman is another guy that we're not really talking about that could that probably is a leader on this team. Certainly looks like one definitely plays like one. Um, if he's not vocal, then his his play certainly speaks for it. Um, I know he's had some games up and downs, but um he definitely brings it most nights. Uh, and he's definitely another guy that i I could see getting an a. um but definitely cider. I mean, obviously, you know he's your your future number one defenseman actually he is your number one defenseman right now. one of those guys. I see it as cider,
0: but yeah, if it goes away from Piran and and you have to throw someone else in the rotation, I think cider goes into the rotation for an a. From Brendan, uh, which is Ketzel on Discord. uh, What can we do to reignite Dylan Larkin? That boy needs to cook. So I think Dylan Larkin is dealing with a nagging injury soon. You can tell he's not as fast as he normally is. He's getting the puck on net, but things are hitting posts and he's not quite as accurate. And it was mentioned and we even saw that he was a game time decision a little while back. Um, I think that he's working through something. What I'm hoping is this almost week off between games really lets Dylan Larkin, you know, chill out, hang out with the guys, heal up, and get him back to 100% for him. And I think that just the past little stretch here, maybe five games, um, Larkin just doesn't seem like the same. And we know when he's not on like that, he's normally hurt. So hopefully this is a little rehab stint for him um, in the gap between the previous game and the one coming up on Thursday.
2: Which is hilarious because he's still over a point per game right now, even exactly. though <laughs> arguably he is quote unquote struggling. But no, I, I think really, other than getting healthy, he needs to just simplify the game a little bit. There's and this, honestly, this goes across the team there. I, I know that there's a lot of skill in this league and these guys can do a lot of amazing things with the puck. But Detroit, I think, is starting to try it too much. And teams picked up on it. They were abusing teams with some fancy quick one touch passes or between the leg passes that were eating teams alive and it led to huge scoring chances. Now teams are settling down and they're just kind of collapsing in their box on Detroit more often than not. And it's taking those away, but Detroit's still trying to go for him. I think they just need to go. He just needs to simplify it. And when, even when he does that, he can still be extremely dangerous. So that's, that's just kind of where my head's at with him.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, working through an injury could be one thing. And obviously we we kind of already talked about that, but um, he hasn't played a great game in about three now. I think that Boston game is one of the best games he's played in a long time. He was fast. He was physical. I believe he scored a goal had a couple assists in that game. He was awesome in, the, in that Boston game at home. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, He's working through something and, and hopefully he can get healthy uh with this week that we got off.
0: From the tactical distraction, we're just gonna say where you think he ranks currently. He says, Is it just me? Uh, or is Justin Hole the best defenseman on the Red Wings currently? And I say Justin Hole currently is the third best defenseman on the Red Wings. Behind whom? Behind Cider I and Wallman.
2: Yep. I'd say that's Fair. I mean, the one thing I've noticed with Hall is that he is not—he's not really getting him putting himself in oh shit situations or playing himself out of position very often, especially defensively. He's got, as we've talked about before, a a hell of a reach on him and a very long stick, and he is able to break up plays that I don't think that we would necessarily expect to happen. But I I would argue that, and he's—it frustrates me a lot because I was looking at the Columbus game. Jeff Petrie had 24 minutes. And you're just like, why? But Justin Hole, I think, has been averaging some of the least amount of minutes per game for Detroit, and he's still, I think, a plus seven and still still has a decent amount of points through however many games he's played right now. I had it in front of me, but I changed it. But it's one of those situations where you want him out there in certain in situations that, and you can be reliant on him. Like, he's at, he's at a couple minuses, but because of what Sherat and Mata did to him, and abandoning him as the only defenseman back in multiple situations. So that was just in one game. I think he's definitely in your top – he should be in your top four, but he's not necessarily there, even though he's still – and he's only averaging 16 minutes and 21 seconds a night. I don't think that's okay, but
1: it is what it is. I think that, you know, Sherrod – sorry, I think that Hall is probably the fourth best defenseman on the Red Wings. I think it goes – and no, in no particular order, but I think it goes uh, Cider wallman is bear hall I, th- I think goss's bear has been fantastic uh, offensively i guess in his own zone he's got his issues but um i, I like goss's bear a lot so
0: cool from sweet tooth who is the biggest draft entry bust for the red wings philip zadina next right <laughs>
2: are we like yep i don't yeah. really think you can have an argument with anyone but him I, it's people can try to say that no that's not fair but. I absolutely think it is for the hype that was behind him, what was intended to be a thing. Like Close as, second as would be Dennis Cholowski.
1: Yeah, Chalowski, Rasmussen.
2: I don't uh, see Ch- Rasmussen Chalowski not never at all. Should have been chosen there in the first place. And Raz has actually been, you know, relevant. So I'm not gonna put Rasmussen in there whatsoever. Chalowski I thought was a terrible and confusing pick from the get go. And it ended up being that way. I mean, I had I was I had my excitement for him, but it just Didn't happen. You get past Dylan Larkin's draft class. I mean, you got Mantha and Burt in 2013. But after that, it's just like, eh, it's whatever. These guys were here. Cool. From, uh, well, we
0: already answered Brandon's. If McDavid's unrealistic, try to get what thought uh, on dry settles a uh, probability. We already answered that Uh, from Pete. Uh, Am I the only one concerned with the sheer volume of candy being consumed by the Red Wings recently? If you haven't watched the social stuff, they're eating so much Swedish candy, but maybe it'll give them a little energy so they uh, start the games on time. Swedish fish? No, no, (laughs) right? Yes. Yeah. The most popular Swedish candy is the Swedish Uh, fish. Is that not an
1: American candy that they just? Yeah. Yes. It's probably actually like good for you over there.
0: I don't know. From Brad through 15 games, the Red Wings have collected 18 points and are on pace for about 98 for the season, which is a big plus. Is 98 points enough for a playoff spot this year in the East? And will the Red Wings earn more, fewer or the same number of points in the next 15 games? I looked at the schedule. I'm at about the same number of points, and I do think that
2: 98 gets you a playoff spot in the East. I think for the way that the Atlantic is kind of uh, eating itself right now. I think 95, 94 is probably going to be your bar because what was it? 93 last season.
0: Yeah, I believe it was 93 with the Panthers getting in.
2: Yeah. So I think 98, you're still looking at a wild card because I think that the top three teams in the Atlantic will start to separate themselves, but it'll be close. I I don't know. I mean, unless Boston, I don't understand what that is anymore at this point. That's why I stopped trying to figure out if they were going to be bad this year. And of course they weren't Florida. They're doing what you would hope for a team that made it to the cup. And then Tampa and Toronto, I'm not going to count them out until the end of the season. So you hope for that wild card and 98 points, I think should be able to get you in.
1: And of course, that Porters kid just continues to to be a good hockey player. And Boston just gets these players out of nowhere. So I guess whatever
2: just takes one sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I saw a stat the other day that Boston has drafted a bunch of players over the last couple of years and there's only been two that have made the NHL. So that's good job done, Sweeney. 15 points, 18 points or 15 games, 18 points so far. 98 points make the playoffs. I think 98 gets you in. Uh I think 94, 95 probably gets you in. I think you're right, Ryan. It really kind of depends on what what happens. I mean, they got to beat these teams that they're supposed to beat like Montreal. And then they got to take points in the games that they're not supposed to win, like the Rangers. So Ottawa, that's, that remains where, where it is. Yeah.
0: is. All right, we're going to do this last question, and it's a fun one that maybe you can't answer because I'm not sure if you even know who these people are, which you should, and I'm going to laugh at you if you don't. And then you're going to give me your socials, and then we're going to sign off because we are right up against time before I have to go hop on to another podcast. Uh, but Maddie over on Discord asks, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? And we're gonna start with Ryan.
2: Give me that sweet chin music.
0: And your social, Ryan.
2: Already Ryan 33. Don't Tyler, know. Are
0: you, uh, Tyler, are you are you old enough to know bitch. who
1: those people are? No, no, not a movie guy. Oh you, oh my god. What? Those are what? wrestlers. Did you still Tyler? movie? Uh, okay. Well, not a wrestling guy at all. So next Tyler's question. Tyler's at Seal Dog ninety one.
2: We're yeah, going to make a gif of the of when um he say, was saying, I'm sorry to Ric Flair and then give him the sweet chin music, but put Tyler's head on Flair. I'm going to make a gif of you leaning into you, the camera and yelling, what?
0: <laughs> G- oh, my God, Tyler. Amazing. Um, I, I never watched wrestling, OK? I can't I am believe it. I'm also going to have to agree with Shawn Michaels. Um, but you can follow me online and bring the way you can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. We like thank the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around. Check out our merch on uh, redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. Buy all your jerseys from vintage Detroit because they are amazing. People keep asking, where do I get Alex DeBrinket jerseys from? That's where you get Alex DeBrinket jerseys from. Uh, But you can also go sub to us on YouTube. Uh, You can watch our crazy reactions to Tyler not knowing who very well-known wrestlers are. Uh, It's pretty common knowledge. Um, But that is going to do it for us tonight in episode 251. Uh, But for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Occytown.